Welcome to the Like a Bigfoot podcast. I'm your host, Chris Ward. This week, we are reconnecting with guest number one, Brady Manriquez, and we're going to discuss our upcoming race in Monument Valley, which is a uh, Navajo Indian reservation in the desert in northern Arizona and southern Utah. It's going to be Brady's very first race ever after like the mile run in from, you know, elementary school and high school. (laughs) And he's doing 14.5 miles all on trails, all in the desert. It's going to be awesome. And my buddy Travis and I are also going out and doing our own event in Monument Valley on the same day. And we're gonna make a really big road trip. We're staying in a cabin with maybe the prettiest view of all time. And we're just looking forward to it. We're gonna have a blast. And so today's episode, we're just kind of preparing for the trip, talking it out. Brady also shares where he's at in his journey. I call it his journey to rediscover health. So if you missed episode one, you missed probably, in my opinion, the best advice someone could give about rediscovering health, losing weight. Brady's lost 75 pounds in the last year. And more importantly, he's become an athlete. And he's kind of taken the wheel and controlling his life by punching zombie mode in the face zombie mode also known as running on momentum the whole time and not really even considering what you're doing or how you're treating your body or your own mental state so he's punched zombie mode in the face and instead (laughs) He's chosen the path of intention. He's being very intentional every day about his health and his training. And it's really inspirational to me. So if you're a person who's maybe not quite satisfied with where you are in life health-wise... I would highly suggest going back and listening to episode one of this podcast with Brady. It was solid, solid advice about sustainability, about consistency, and about doing the small things right over a long period of time, but being consistent about it, doing it every single day. So I'm excited to let you guys kind of peek into a conversation between Brady and I as we nerd out about running, Monument Valley, and the Like a Bigfoot mindset. So enjoy episode number 25, Brady Manriquez. Welcome back, Brady Manriquez, um, the man, the myth, the legend, my personal inspiration every day. And I'm saying that not jokingly at all. 
dude. You inspire me. Sounds, sounds a little bit like hyperbole, but you know, I was, I'm really uncomfortable with compliments. Uh, well, I knew that's how you ended the last podcast, actually. Um, you know, I meant it. <laughs> <laughs> well, man, I, I know I realized when I was saying it, the tone of my voice, I should have got more grave and serious. But for real, man, I every day when we text each other or call each other and we talk about what you have done for your workouts, it's it's really inspiring. Thanks, man. Yeah. So I'm going to just make you uncomfortable with compliments <laughs> the whole entire time. <laughs> yeah. I was like, let's continue this. Like, if you want to get you want, you want to get emotional about it, then uh, <laughs> our daily uh, our daily text back and forth keeps me accountable. And hopefully I'm keeping you accountable, but I feel like you've you've got this training thing down. I'm still I'm still uh, learning how to like stay disciplined week to week. I'm a little bit better about it. It's a little more automatic now. Well, you like, know the eating right, the running right, but it's uh, I do still need to like be kept in check every now and then. So I do appreciate that. Yeah. Well, we were talking. Actually, we spoke like two days ago, and we talked for an hour. And halfway through, I'm like, this should have been this should have been the podcast. <laughs> but what we were talking about. I'm trying about, to recreate some of the magic. Yeah, exactly. What we were talking about was it was funny because that day I had terrible sleep. I think I missed a workout in the morning because one of the kids was sick. And you asked me how the training was going. And maybe it was the mood I was in, you know, or just the place I was at at the moment I was talking to you, but I was like, man, it's not going good. <laughs> no, I understand. It's, it's, if you can, if I can string together like five days in a row of solid work of kind of being disciplined, hitting my goals or kind of even surpassing my goals a little bit. And you ask me like, how are things do, going? I'd be like, I could probably run a, a marathon this weekend. But if I miss, it's ridiculous. If I miss two days in a row, and I just, I get that whiny, just no confidence whatsoever. And I'm like, I'm so out of shape. And it's, you know, it's been two days of not running. So it, it, it that roller coaster of emotion happens where if you string together five days, you think you're on top of the world, just two days in a row, and or like one bad day of sleep, and then like feeling a little under the weather. And then you ask me how I'm doing. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this, man. I don't think I it, – it's it's crazy how much your confidence will waver just with a couple days in a row. Yeah. Yeah, well, so you've built confidence over the last few months, though. So we spoke to you in August or September. It was number one, the very first one. Um, yeah. And so where were you at then and where are you at now? So when we talked in – I think it was September – so like my standard at the time was trying to run a 5K every day. Um, and then like it, I'd do a 5K a day during the weekday, and then I'd pick either Saturday or Sunday and then do a, try to do a long run outside. And at the time, I could run outside because the weather was okay. And I'd, I think the long run at that time was like seven or eight miles is what I had done. And that was – that what really was the upper limit. If I look at it, that would kind of sideline me for a couple. I need a couple of days to recover after doing that. Um, but since then, I, I wanted to level up because I, three, three, three and a half miles a day, um, it feels good, and, and it was getting me in shape. But knowing that we have this race in March, and now we're here, we're talking February 9th. So it's <laughs> getting weeks. real. Yeah, now, seven weeks. Uh, March 25th. 
it's it's getting real now. Like we're in kind of gut check mode. Like it's it's every day that you train is going moving you either closer or further away from your goal. Which you um, know, man, coming so, back to our earlier point about having one or two bad days and then just thinking the world is the sky is falling. <clears throat> um, do you think it has yeah. anything to do with the fact that the race is close now? Like if we Absolutely. missed if we yeah. missed two days like three months ago, it would have been no big deal. Yeah, You're like, oh, don't worry about it. February is when I'm gonna like buckle down and it's gonna get real bad. <laughs> and now we're in February, so there's no like if there is any procrastination or excuses left in your system, uh, you're, you're going to pay for it. <laughs> like, <laughs> and you kind of know that. So it's, it's, uh, but you, it, you can't discount all the running and all the training that happened like six months prior to this. Yeah. What, what was the saying that you had the other day of, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not running 50 miles on March 25th. I've run 500 miles over the last, you know, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of, dude, you're going to experience that too. So let's just say this is your first race ever. And yeah, that's it's crazy too. I've never run a 5K, like any kind of like official 5, 10K, anything. I'm, I'm opening up my first race is going to be a half. A half? And it's not even a half. Apparently, Monument Valley Ultras, their half marathon is 14.4. So that's <laughs> stupid. <laughs> and it's not a half marathon like you're imagining if you've done. A road half marathon. This is the half marathon in the middle of the desert of northern Arizona, yeah. southern Utah, on Navajo Indian lands. Can we uh, can we talk a little bit about like we talked about it the other day? But there's a bunch of variables that go into this that yes. I don't know how to prepare for. <laughs> so like variable one, let's say uh, temperature. Uh-huh. So it's supposed to be like 30, possibly like 36 degrees, it, which that is, that's cold. I mean, that's, that's around where we're at right now in February. Uh, that's really cold. So then, but then it's supposed to, you know, the sun will come out, it'll heat up. And so you could possibly be like, what do you wear for a race like this? Do I wear long pants? Do I wear a long sleeve at something? Like, cause I know me, I run hot. So I know within a couple of miles, if I have too much on, I'm going to regret it. And it's going to be a miserable, like, 12 miles after that. Only for, like, two or three miles of comfort. Yeah, so for me... So temperature is the first question. Yeah, temperature is kind of a pain in the butt. Um, I remember my very first half marathon was a road half marathon in Des Moines. And I was at the start line. The start line is 7 in the morning. So it's really cold. I think it was in October. And I had on this really nice kind of I don't think it was north face but like a north face esque jacket where obviously it was a decent thing that I wanted to keep right and I'm looking around and everyone's wearing these kind of like terrible beat up old sweatshirts and I'm like that's interesting mm-hmm. and as soon as they shot the gun or like were about ready to shoot the gun everybody just took off their sweatshirts and just threw them on the ground and then took off <laughs> never to see those sweatshirts again and i'm sitting yeah. there in this nice instant, coat instant and I'm learning like, curve achieved instantly. Like instantly you're like oh now i know yeah instantly so i'm looking around i'm like well i don't want to leave my nice shirt so i like rolled up the sleeves and you know same thing by the end of the race it was 20 degrees hotter and i was sweating like a pig 
mm-hmm. and you'd think I'd learn from there, but pretty much I like having the it's kind of a confidence booster that I'm not going to be freezing my butt off. And so cuz that is that's the, that's the alternative, right? Like the, there's sweating way too much, being way like being way too hot. But but the alternative to that of being like frigid cold. <laughs> yeah, you you pick, you pick which one you want to like deal with. You can always shed layers. Exactly. But you can't add layers once you're like that far away from the starting line. There's nothing you can do if you're cold. You just have to keep moving. Exactly. And so if I was you, I mean, I so I'm running the 50 miler. I'm going to have a little backpack on. And I know after the first hour, I'm going to start shedding some layers. And so I'll be throwing them in the backpack. Um, you know, I don't know so about What pants. else are you going to have on you? What else are you like, you're going to physically have on you for... 50 miles is a whole other thing because if you're uncomfortable or you've planned incorrectly a lot longer time, there are aid stations and stuff, but there are. you have to like deal with those consequences for a lot longer. But what are you going to physically have on you in terms of gear? So, you know, I'll have a couple layers on upper body, lower body. I'm not sure, man. If it's only like 35 degrees, I can wear shorts and be fine. Um, our ho- our you, cabin you that we got is actually right by the start line, so it's not like we're going to be. St- mm-hmm. we- the coldest part is waiting for the race to start, and so you're sitting yeah, there, yeah. you're not moving yet, you're just waiting around. And you're like, oh my god, I'm gonna freeze to death in the desert, <laughs> <laughs> and then and then like yeah. a mile in, you're like, I'm way too hot now. So mm-hmm. so I don't know about pants. Uh, I mean, I'm definitely wearing shorts. I'm not going pantsless. <laughs> yeah. um, it, was a que- it was literally my next question. I was like, you can wear pants? Yeah, no pants. <laughs> um, it, in Tim- oh, never mind. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, so I'll probably have a back. I'm trying to decide. I have a backpack, which is fine. And then I have a, like a vest with two water bottles in the front, which actually might be better if the aid stations are all like four or five miles apart because the backpack can i ask you a, a little bit about the the, the water situation because this is this is where i'm i have a question right now so i've got a running belt yeah and it's got like a little zipper situation where like if i want to have i don't know if i want to bring like a gel with me or if i want to bring i don't know exactly what i would put in it necessarily but you can clip on like these small water bottles on it and i've never really run with that on right so i, I tried it the other day and i just feel like my keys and like a you know like a buff something yeah. like that in there just to see what it felt like and right away I went oh I do not like the feeling of this moving up and down bouncing around so I was planning on having water bottles attached to that during this race so now I'm rethinking it going if that's going to be something that bothers me that long and it's slipping the whole time maybe I just want to have one of those handheld just one water bottle in one hand and like my phone and the other hand, because I might have, like be listening to music or something, and then you know, like you said, this race is scenic. It's beautiful. I'm never gonna, I'm not gonna be anywhere near this place again, probably, unless we decide to go back. So I'm definitely gonna probably stop and take some pictures of what's around me. For sure. None, <laughs> you know, these, anyone that hasn't seen this area should Google it because it's incredible. So it's um, it's Monument Valley Navajo Indian Reservation, and it's where. Forrest Gump stopped running. <laughs> if you've seen the movie. Now, there's a whole bunch of other westerns that have been filmed there. 
uh, like stagecoach. Is, that, is it on the Wikipedia lonely. page? The Forrest Gump fact? Is it on the Wikipedia? <laughs> I don't know, that? man, but there is a sign on the road because it's on a highway. And there's a sign right where they filmed that shot. And it said, this is where Forrest Gump stopped running. And we're going nice. there for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, about your equipment and all that stuff. Water. You have a vest that has two bottles, but now I'm going back and forth. Do I have a hand, one handheld with a larger water bottle? Or do I have two smaller ones strapped to a belt and just figure out the, how to get used to it? Uh, I, I would just... I mean, I would just... Test out the equipment and whatever you like, go with that. That's the easiest way. Whatever you do, don't buy something and then the day of the race, use it for the yeah. first time. That's a really dumb move, which I've done. And, of course, everybody who's done a race has probably done in the past. But mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's something that could backfire. Like if, if the belt thing is that annoying, that's gonna might, that has the opportunity to maybe ruin your day. <laughs> you know? I know, I know. And I'm, I'm trying to be aware of that. But I also I also thought, oh, there's, it's not that far in between aid stations. Do I really need to bring water? But then I just didn't want to be the guy who shows up for his first race in the desert. And, just, you know, just, I'm just picturing, like, what is a worst-case scenario? What are, like, here's, here's the, like, in my mind, worst-case scenario. We start out, you, you already start at 7 a.m., the 50-miler and the... Uh, 50k start at 7 a.m. and then at 8 a.m. the half marathon kicks off and in my mind here's where like all the experienced runners just bolt off and I'm the la- instantly the last person <laughs> and then instantly I don't know where to go and I get turned around and now I'm in the desert without water that's my worst case scenario fear I'm sure that won't happen I'm sure it's well marked but <laughs> yeah yeah I entertain the thought of just not bringing water because there's going to be aid stations uh, but I just <laughs> that well, worst case scenario played out in my head. And I went, no, that's that's a bad idea. I mean, first of all, your worst case scenario is definitely not going to happen, and it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's good to think about the possibilities. Now, don't dwell on the fact that you feel like you're going to get lost in the desert and die, and like have to eat a rattlesnake and like you know <laughs> cut open a cactus and drink out of it and stuff. Like go bear grills on them. <laughs> don't dwell on that. But the fact that you're thinking about it makes me think that you definitely need to bring a water bottle. <laughs> yeah. Just just for your own confidence, man. And a handheld yeah. I've actually never used. I have ran miles and miles holding a water bottle before just because I'm too lazy to put it back in my backpack. But uh <laughs> but yeah, man, I would just I would bring one just for your own uh state of mind. Yeah, peace of mind. Yeah, I think peace that's probably mind, what's yeah. gonna happen. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I think I'm gonna. I'll, I, I don't know. I'll probably have the belt just because uh, I'll maybe put like a gel or two, even though I don't think I'll need those either. But I'm now doing a, a distance where I'm like, I want to be one of those guys that needs to have a gel. I want to <laughs> have one of those like I'd... midway through boosts of energy that uh, I haven't had to use yet. Yeah. So during my first half marathons, those were my first kind of big races I ever did. And I would always eat a gel at like mile 10 because I would feel it, the energy starting to just completely drain from my body. Now, it's totally different than an ultra yeah. though because during a half marathon, I, your pace is faster and you're going anaerobic where you're not uh, 
you know, you're burning more carbohydrates, so you need to replace them versus aerobic. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, man, if you're running an ultra marathon and you're out of breath, you're in big trouble. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You need to be able to have a conversation, a, a full conversation without really like huffing and puffing is the way I've understood it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so like, I've, I've kind of broken out the the half marathon into kind of the stages that I think of it as is the first six miles is finding your pace, finding your breath, finding your comfort level. Um, then I have like mile six to 10 is where I think like the race probably gets real or, okay, I'm in it now. I've found my pace. I found, and now I can probably start to, to push it if I want. And maybe around mile 10 is where, or maybe a, eight or nine, somewhere in there is where I'll maybe want to think about having a gel or something like that. And then the final, well, typically be the final 5k, but in this case, it's the final four and a half miles where it's time to step up. And that's, but it's also going to be like, that's where it's going to suck. (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Uh, That's how I've broken it down in my mind where it's like those three stages. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah, man. I definitely think so. I, I'm curious to see what kind of food they have for you at the aid stations for the half marathon, too. I'm assuming it's the same. But if you read the race description, some of the food is like authentic Navajo food. It's like traditional Navajo, like some kind of stew. And yeah, green chili like, stew. And what was it? Fried bread mm-hmm. or something. And so, yeah. oh, here it is. Here it is. Blue corn mush. Mutton like stew. Corn masa mush. Mutton stew and some kind of like corn mush. Yeah. Yeah. That just sounds like I I I you you've talked about how like that is a an X factor is the stomach in a long race and just how it handles food and during all of that. It, it, it's something I don't know. I don't know. I, I my longest run at this point is eleven miles. I had a nine-mile day on a Saturday, and I followed it up with an 11-mile day. Just I, I don't know what what happened. I just ran a lot. I don't know what to tell you. But <laughs> I didn't really factor in any eating until I was done. I didn't do anything midway through and then continue doing it. But the, the thought of having anything moving around in my stomach, I, I usually run a, on a fairly empty stomach as is. Because the idea of something sloshing around, ugh. I feel like that would really throw me off. Yeah, so, you know, if you were training for the 50K or the 50-mile or whatever, I would suggest Mm -hmm. testing out the foods that you're actually going to eat during the race. Now, here's the problem, Brady. Yeah, so what are your go-tos and what is the problem? (laughs) Well, actually, so my go-tos, dude, I've struggled. I've had problems, stomach issues. I've had to use the woods, like, five times during one 50K is terrible. Okay, that's the uh, that's another variable I've written down. Is like, <laughs> I'm, I'm terrified because it's the desert. It's not like it's not the woods. Tree cover. No tree It's cover. not the woods. It's just yeah. like there's no mystery as to what someone's doing. You know, find a rock and go behind it, I guess. I don't know, man. I don't even think there's rocks, to be honest. Like, I keep looking at these pictures, and it's about as barren as possible. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's why I'm going to wear a race belt. I'm going to have, like... Wet wipes. <laughs> You're gonna have like, the Batman, the Batman utility belt of running. <laughs> yeah. But okay, so here's my point, but, though. Here's where my dilemma yeah. comes in. 
So part of the draw to doing this race for me is to visit Monument Valley and experience the Navajo traditions and experience this amazing, beautiful place that if you're not doing the race, you don't get to really go into the valley and explore. Um, I just looked at Like, that is super interesting to me. If you look, you know, if you can like Yelp reviews of Navajo Valley, and there's a bunch of negative ones of people, people that say like, oh, it costs money to go there. That's BS. But the deal is that you're not allowed, actually allowed to go there as a tourist unless you have the Navajo guide. And that's kind of what this makes this kind of so interesting is that you get to go to a place that otherwise you need a Navajo guide to go to. Um, that's, not, that's, that's incredible to me. I didn't really understand that that kind of area existed uh, in the American Southwest. Like, I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to do my best of like educating myself on the area and you're doing an awesome job of educating me <laughs> like, through osmosis. I'm learning, learning about Forrest Gump. Heck yeah. You know? <laughs> but, uh, I'm like a box of chocolates, about... Brady. No, uh, yeah. <laughs> no. So, um, yeah, cause I was just actually on Monument Valley's main website today and there's only one hiking trail you can do without a guide and it's only 3.5 miles and i'm sure it's beautiful but we get to go into the valley and kind of see all these amazing places up close which will be really cool so here's my problem with the food thing is i'm going to get to the aid station and i'm going to want to try all these foods because that's part of the experience for me but i'm going to want to try the mutton stew and uh yeah i'm going to want to try that too just just it's part of the experience. It's part of the story afterwards. If you get sick afterwards, that's going to be a part of the story. Too. You know, and that's <laughs> like, I like having that part of the story because it's kind of funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like a lot of things that I like misfortune is some of the best comedy, like after the fact. So exactly. if anything, do it for the story. Exactly. So, you know, I'll probably end up doing that. So the thing you can, I guess some people who are like trying to win the race and everything, they probably have the exact thing they're eating down for every Mm -hmm. two miles or so. And Mm -hmm. I just, I've never approached a race that way, which is probably why I haven't won any ultra marathons. (laughs) Because I approach it with like, I'm going to get to the aid station and I'm going to know what sounds good. And sometimes sugar won't sound good, and I'll go with something really salty. And sometimes that Mm. won't sound good, and I'll just go with, uh, you know, like a ginger ale or something. And then Mm -hmm. sometimes you go with the straight-up whiskey. (laughs) (laughs) Which there will will be none here because we read Navajo. uh, The Navajo land is a dry land, and so there's no booze allowed. Yeah, no alcohol allowed. Yeah. Which is what it is, man. I'll I'll follow what, what traditions. Like, were you in a trail race when you called you called me like three years ago on a Saturday and you were like I don't even know if you're like delusional or what you were, but you had like a, a swig of whiskey in your backpack and you're like, Should I do this? Was that during a race or were you training? Uh it was the second annual Chris Ward after school marathon <laughs> through the woods. <laughs> So I was like mile 24. And you know what? I didn't drink it all because I don't know if my stomach could have handled it. But it gave me just like (laughs) a mental 
a mental some kind of energy. Yeah, give me a boost. Just like, oh, I did something that I probably shouldn't do. <laughs> and then maybe well, a placebo effect like, where I was like, my legs don't feel pain now for like one minute. <laughs> and then they felt pain again. Well, dude, I, I'm looking at this race like there, there's a ton of variables, right? There's a lot. And so part of me says I'm just kind of accepting the fact that I'm not going to have an answer for everything. I'm trying to consider some of these variables, so at least I'm a little bit prepared for it. But, you know, there's temperature, there's um, hills, the, the different gear that you have to wear, the water situation, the, the bathroom situation. Hmm? The sand, is it going to be really windy? Is sand going to be blowing around yeah, in your sand. eyes? Is it going to be squishy yeah, sand? Yeah, so we're, we're going to be sucks. running in, like, the, it, it, there's a red rock kind of sand, and you, you sent me a picture of what, what are they called, gators? Yeah. Is that what they're called? Yeah. Where it's, like, straps underneath your foot, and it actually, it just kind of, just so that sand doesn't get in your shoe, basically. Because if you're watching the videos that they post on the site, there's definitely these... But there's footage of people stopping, sitting against a rock and dumping sand out of their shoe and cleaning sand off of their socks. And it's, that's another variable where just, I, I've just kind of accepted that I'm going to have, I'm going to be uncomfortable. I'm going to have to figure out how to deal with it. Um, now my, my terrain is going, is a little more forgiving and it's like single track and it's probably going to be padded down. Um, but like you said, if it's windy, like better have sunglasses you know, better have a, a buff somewhere so you can, like, cover your face so you don't get sand. In. And you you mentioned even possibly bringing, like, uh, swimming goggles. Dude, like, I want to look like a 1925 airplane pilot <laughs> when I'm running. <laughs> yeah, I, w- I might bring my swimming goggles. Like, if it's really bad, that's another thing that's comforting to have my backpack that I'm prepared. Now, it, it sucks, though, when you don't use all these items you brought and you just think to yourself, mm-hmm. man, I packed way too much stuff and it's heavy yep. and I made it harder on myself. But you know me, man, glutton for punishment. So you talking yeah. about yeah. having to be uncomfortable and figuring all this stuff out, in my mind, I'm just like, good, good. He should. He yeah. should feel uncomfortable doing yeah. this at times. He shouldn't be completely prepared and he should have to face a little bit of adversity. Now, I don't want my friend to die well, in the desert, but... <laughs> <laughs> I hope not. Otherwise, this is, uh, is going to be a really sad podcast. Uh, oh, man. Oh, dude. No! <laughs> <laughs> Did I put it out there? Did I put that out there? Yeah, man. Your you, parents you are going to listen to this. If you want. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to leave it in. And you can feel terrible about it later when it happens. No. <laughs> <laughs> can you... There's another area... Cause, can you talk a little bit about the um, so the area that we're going to be in? There, are, um, what, what kind of mines? There's silver mines, right? So I've been reading this book. My aunt and uncle actually live in Utah, and they sent me this book called "Land of Room Enough and Time Enough," and it's essentially the history of Monument Valley. And so, Is like this I one said, of your aunt or uncles that have been on the podcast? Yeah. Oh, yeah, Uncle Joel. Uncle Joel episode. Uncle Joel. Right. Number, I want to say 18, but I might be wrong. Maybe it was 17. 16. Uncle Joel, episode 16. Um, okay. Check it out. He's, he's awesome. But they yeah. sent me this book, and it's the, the history of Monument Valley. And this is what I'm kind of talking about, man. I think part of doing an event like this 
is all the event itself is great and it's awesome and amazing and at times it's hard and it's adversity you have to get over but the build up to the event the i'm getting excited the couple months before it that you're getting excited um to go on this big travel race essentially um that's almost Mm -hmm. even more fun for me and that's why i like having my friends going with me because i can text some pictures and you know talk crap to them and you know (laughs) teach them about history so (laughs) i'm reading this book and it really does it adds to it it adds to it because it does and you know every time i sit down to try and kind of like look at it a little bit obviously i just get distracted for whatever reason but you giving me like hey did you know like hey fun fact chris fun fact about monument <laughs> valley like once a week or a couple times a week yeah has, has kind of like made me really looking i'm looking forward to it more and more and you know we're we're also in that gut check time too where it's there's been a lot of training leading up to this and it's getting real and i'm getting uh, just so much anticipation and planning and excitement and like nervousness and fear all of that is happening right now within like being within seven weeks of it it's really cool yeah and so what i would suggest when we talked the other day you were asking about whether or not you should hold your phone and i said dude this is going to be an amazing experience there's going to be unbelievably pretty scenery in front of you you're going to want to take pictures Mm -hmm. of it that's just adding to the fun of the experience. Well, I guess the, the, the question was, like, should I have earbuds in listening to something? Because so that's usually, that I don't usually know. when I run, I, I'm listening to something. But at the very least, bring your phone because you need to capture pictures of what are the, the buttes, like the three sisters is a big one, or like yep. mittens. And, ah, the mittens. And then there was the one, the story that's in this book is the Merrick butte and the... <laughs> yes. I can't remember the other dude's name, but these two guys tried to steal silver uh, from this big silver mine, and they were warned for years, don't steal the silver, or we're going to have to take dire consequences against you. (laughs) And so, of course, they came back, and they're like, we're going to build our own silver mine and take all this glorious, glorious silver, and we're going to be rich. And they were hunted down and like, shot in front of these two giant buttes and so one of them's called merrick butte and i can't remember the other one but you know as you're running along knowing the names of what you're seeing and knowing the history mm-hmm. behind it i think's really cool um my next plans over the next few weeks is to start watching old westerns that were filmed there because it was kind of a famous spot to be um famous film set i guess or location yeah and can you think of anyone any of them off top of your head that are like notable or that you're that you're going to check out well so the one i'm definitely checking out is called the searchers and it was an old western so it's like 1950s um with john wayne and some other people (laughs) john (laughs) wayne's in it and and company and company um and it's Supposedly, I've never seen it, but it's supposedly one of the best westerns of all time. So there's just that added benefit to it. So yeah, so these are kind of the things I'm doing during my, especially the last couple of weeks when I taper and I stop running as much. These are the kind of things I'm going to do to just stay focused and get excited and have fun mm. with their whole race. Right. 
But then, even afterwards, once you finish the race and six months from now we're talking about it, that's the other added fun that you don't necessarily think of. Is especially if, like you said, you go through some some challenging sections that are hard and miserable and stuff. That's when it becomes there's gonna, super fun. There's gonna be some gut check moments. Yeah, I, I just I just assume there's gonna be a couple of gut check moments where you're going to think this is bigger than me. This is too much. And then the glorious part of it is when that's not right. <laughs> exactly. When you're bigger than that, and then you overcome. And that is the that's the glory in that moment. For sure, man. And then the hilarious parts come eight months later when you're reminiscing with your buddies and you know, you're like, Remember when it just rained on us the whole time and the wind was blowing sixty miles an hour? That sucked. <laughs> <laughs> there is something about like mutual suffering that six months later or years later is uh n- nostalgia. N- nostalgic, you know? Yeah. I like it. Exactly, man. So, so yeah. Enough about the race, though. For a little bit, let's. Uh, I want to hear a little bit about your training because I know since we've last talked, well, not since me and you have last talked, but since you've last been on the podcast, you've obviously upgraded to more mileage, but then you've added in trail runs, you've added in weightlifting. Um, I know you've gone through some adversity there too that I want to hear yeah. about a little bit. So- yeah, like, um, I'll try and make it, I'll try and, like, make it a little bit short because I can understand, I, I, I think hearing about someone else's training isn't that, might not be that interesting, but uh, we'll see. Um, so I was running up around 5K a day, and somewhere online, I, like, I just knowing that at some point I need to be able to get up to, like, as a general rule, you want to run, like, 80, what is it, like, 80% of the total distance of the race that you're going to be running eventually something like that. Um, so knowing that it's 14.4 or 14.5, I'm like, I need to be able to run 10 or 10 and a half miles for a long run at some point. And not necessarily like comfortably, but I need to have these like quality long runs. Um, so somewhere along the line, I took a week and I decided I was going to run a 5k in the morning and a 5k in the evening. And I was going to do it every day for a week, just as like, here's a challenge for myself to wake up extra early, do this, and then every day, after, you know, afterward, do that again. Um, well, and, and after like first- re- real quick, not to interrupt, but I've been thinking about this a lot lately because Lindsay and I just finished the whole thirty challenge. Um, mm-hmm. and which is nutrition, right? It's not like a it's, mile it's nutrition. But here's what I've been thinking about: setting these short, where short challenges where there's a definite end date, I think is really powerful. So you doing. Mm-hmm. Seven days, I'm going to do a 5K in the morning, 5K at night, just for those seven days. I don't have to keep doing mm-hmm. it forever and ever and ever. There's there's an end date in sight that I'm working towards. That is so yeah. much easier to attain versus the whole, I guess I would call it like the New Year's resolution mindset of the indefinite amount of time. Like, I'm going to stop drinking <laughs> yeah. pop indefinitely. And it's like, well... Yeah, you know, or you could just be like, "Hey, for two weeks, I'm not going to do this habit, and then I'm going to reevaluate." I think that's really, yeah. I think that's really powerful, and I would suggest doing small challenges like that. Well, I like that too. Like I, I did that with in a couple other areas too. Like I uh, stopped drinking. I realized I drink, uh, you know, like two cups of coffee a day, 
and that's when I'd add some sugar to coffee or whatever. And I thought, I'm going to only drink water for a week. Like that's when if I'm going to drink something, it's going to be water. I'm just going to do that for a week. And then, like you said, assess what happened, see if there's a difference, and see if and you want to keep on. doing it. Like, do yeah. I, yeah, do I want to keep doing it, or did I learn anything? Did anything change from that? Or do I apply that more often? Do I want, you know, whatever? Yeah, like so. For instance, for your seven days, five k in the morning, five k at night. Maybe at the end of it, you're like, well, obviously this isn't sustainable to do this every single day indefinitely, but. Maybe I add in a 5K in the morning once a week. And that's a benefit mm-hmm. that you learned by doing that challenge. Well, and you, what it turned into is like really quickly I realized I'm going to be able to do this. Like within the first day, I went, I think I'm going to be able to do this. So I'm going to, I up the, like right away, up the mileage to um, five miles in the, what was it? No, I did like four and a half miles in the morning, four and a half at night, something like that. I, at this point, it's been a little way while since I did it. So, it's hard to remember the specifics, but essentially I was running like nine miles a day. And the whole point was that eventually I was going to go back to just running once a day, but I have a new standard. It's not a 5K anymore. Now the new standard is five miles. Like I can hit five miles, and all I have to do is remind myself that, dude, I was doing like eight or nine miles every day for a week. I can do half of that. Pretty like I know I can do that. It just added. It's just an added confidence, and it was just in my mind. I was like, "This is how you level up. You just kind of go crazy for a week or two, <laughs> and then dial it, dial it back. But now you have a new standard. Yeah. And the dial when you dial it back, you're like, "This is half of what I was doing before, and I know I was tough enough to do that before. So I did that, and then eventually, um, around I think like November, October or November, I stopped in at like a local gym. Knowing that all right, the season is changing, it's getting too cold for me to like regularly run outside. I didn't really have a lot of winter running gear, so my running outside is going to change. I need to, and I was I've been dreading this. There's some. There's been ultimately it's been good, but did I knew you did you think going that, inside? And, yeah, did you think that winter was gonna just completely derail you? I didn't think it was going to. I th- I thought it had the potential for it. Um, I know I knew that in order to hit this goal of running this uh, half marathon, that I was going to need to be disciplined in the winter, which meant I need I would need to go to the gym and join eventually after the first of the year, join the rest of the New Year's the New Year's Eve crew, <laughs> you know, the new, <laughs> the new gym memberships that are all show up at the beginning of the year, um, and I was going to have to run on the the hamster wheel, you know, and run on the treadmill. Which I just, uh, I can't, I just hate it. I, I like, I, I did hate it. I found benefits to it and I found like, I, I like it more now because I found it enjoyment in it, in it now. But, um, but I also then, since I was going to be in the gym, since I actually decided to pay for like six months of a gym membership, I started to incorporate weightlifting. So with a new level of five miles no longer being intimidating, I did dial back the running and I did um, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I would go and I'd lift. And so lifting for me was squats, lunges, pull-ups, power cleans, deadlifts. Yeah, those are the five. Those five are like the key lifts that I would try to do. And I'd follow it up with some kind of cardio. And then if I wanted to hit like arms and shoulders just like for just looking good, I'd do that too. Um, (laughs) The beach muscles. Right? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Um, so somewhere along the line, I was like, hey, I'm going to make my upper body get into a little bit better shape, followed up with some cardio. And my cardio was, um, I don't know, I, I, like stair climbers were, oh, it, I just pour sweat on a stair climber. But I knew I needed to kind of get some cross training in there and get a different level of fitness too, because road running on flat surfaces is all I had done up until then. So um, I was doing that, and then Tuesday, Thursdays, I jump on a treadmill and just strictly do cardio on a treadmill. And what I started to do was rolling hills, so I could get used to running uphill and downhill because before that it all been flat. Knowing that this um, trail race is going to have some uneven terrain, I need to have that level of fitness as well. Um, so when I first I hit a pretty good stride there, and it was I, I got to say like I. I saw a lot of results quickly, which is cool. And I was super disciplined up until then <laughs> life hit. <laughs> and As it does. Hit. As you can hear my yeah, daughter, my six-month-old crying in the background. Yeah, you've, you've got a, a house full of girls that are sick right now, don't Dude, you? Dude, so much puke. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. It's all right. it, yeah, it just these unexpectedly, you know, like... Um, health crisis here or like Thanksgiving day, I had to have like a minor surgery. It wasn't like a huge deal, but it sidelined me for a little while. Didn't see that coming. What was a little while? How long did it sideline you? Like three weeks of no running going from being as active as I was to like nothing. Um, and I, uh, you know, that takes a, a mental toll on you as well. You start getting like down on yourself when, you did all this work and you feel like, oh, I'm just erasing all of it. Yeah. Just, I went from as active as I've been to completely inactive. Um, so it was. <sighs> so let's talk about that, though, because you know, that's a common belief of I'm injured. Now I'm erasing everything I've done for training. Did you find that to mm-hmm. be true when you went back, when you were able to go back to working out? Did it come back really quickly? Not really quickly, but it did. I was. I was really happy to see that I had built like a good foundation, a good base and getting on the treadmill. Um, and it was still tough because it was also like new, the treadmill at that point was still kind of like new and it wasn't the comfort that I had of like road running, but it did come back to me and I did hit a comfort level and I had, I had built some kind of a foundation and, um, you know what I found to the treadmill, the benefit that I didn't expect was, uh, it's a good way to increase your speed and it was really nice to see okay like i'm gonna start out because before that i had measured nothing um i before that i was kind of a believer in i'm not gonna look at any numbers i'm only going based on feel because numbers to me would mean like an inherent guilt if i didn't hit the number that i you know achieved the day before I would have this inherent guilt and get down on myself about it. So I said, let me just wipe the slate and not even know about it. Which that was what we talked about in the first podcast. And that was really important starting off. But now you're at a different Mm -hmm. level. Yeah. Now with like a a little bit of an aptitude for it, like I have, I'm okay seeing those numbers and seeing, you know, what was nice to see is like, so I had the expectation of, I I don't really know how fast I'm running. I know I'm, I'm, I know compared to what, if someone's called themselves a runner, I'm running slower than that person. If someone is like a self-identified runner, I'm most definitely running slower than them. So I, I assumed I was probably at like a 10-minute mile pace, nice and easy. Um, but then it was nice to see 
to get on the treadmill and see, okay, I'm actually, I am going faster than 10 minute and to start to bump up the speed and to put in like a three or four mile um, rolling hills exercise and, and, you know, I'd start out t- a 10 minute mile pace and end at like an eight minute or like seven thirty mile pace, kind of slowly increasing. And it, uh, what felt so good was to um, hit a pace and realize my lungs are there. I'm good. I'm not, I'm not dying. I'm not redlining. I'm, I'm breathing comfortably. This is much faster than I was expecting. And that was kind of nice to see that. And so you get a little bit, you get a little bit hooked on achieving like a new pace as well. So like tonight I did a seven and a half mile workout rolling Hills again, started at like a nine thirty pace. And I ended at like a six fifty seven pace nice, um, man. and just, slowly increased throughout that you know for that's fast dude. yeah that's fast oh i was i was trucking by the end of it <laughs> like i was moving um so it was yeah it felt good to know that that base is there and that before that would have been my long run and this was just like my thursday night workout so yeah. you can see the progress seeing the uh, the progression has been really cool um so but now i've gone <laughs> I don't know. I tried. I haven't done the weightlifting for a while. I tried it yesterday. Yesterday, uh, our funk. Funny. Both of ours, feel... like being when we were oh, both God. depressed about workouts. <laughs> I, like I had done a long, I had done a long run before that, and so I was like, all right, I'm gonna do just like some lifting. And I went and I did squats, and I hadn't done squats in a long time. And I figured I'm definitely stronger than I was before, so I went right back into like the weight that I was squatting before. Did one set. Got ready to do the second one, and instantly I had I pulled a hamstring. <laughs> what the heck? So then I was like, all right, I guess I'll go do some arms instead of legs since I pulled a hamstring. And I pulled a muscle in my upper back doing uh, shoulder raises. And I was like, right, what? What is going on here? So I like called it quits. <laughs> like uh, ridiculous. But yeah, you asked me yesterday how I feel. I would have been no confidence. You asked me today, I feel really strong. Yeah, so it just goes to show how the tides can change. Mm -hmm. So, like, the next kind of, like, step in training for me was um, I I got some decent running gear, compliments of uh, the the Ward family. By the way, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. That was all my wife's doing, dude. Lindsay. Oh, the best. The The best. best. The best. like... It's the best around. Uh, <laughs> hey, you said you weren't going to sing on this right before we started recording. I know. <laughs> but I got some decent uh, like winter running gear. And I told myself, like, on the weekends, I wanted to, you know, I've, I've listened to all of your podcasts. And, like, the one that you had with Shada Hussein, who she kind of, that podcast, that talked me into it. Like, going on the weekend, waking up early on the weekend and going to a state park and hiking around or using the um, the trails or whatever they have at a state park and kind of like being outside in nature, I, I've been cooped up and on the treadmill for so long that I was like, I'm doing that. I don't care how cold it is. And so the first time I did it, I went to uh, Rock Cut State Park, got a bag with gear, some food, some Gatorade, like had everything I think I would need, but it was it was like 17 degrees, maybe 20 degrees. It was cold. But it was one of the most rewarding, amazing, like, 
I'm like I'm I've drank the Kool Aid of trail running at this point, and I got to like it's been a while since I've been out there. But back home in Muscatine, um, Wildcat Den State Park, I went trail running there, and it was it's just kind of an incredible feeling to go through the woods, up and down these hills. Um, I don't know, it was just like good for the soul. I don't know how to explain it. Um, but then when I went to that Rock Cut State Park, it was so cold, and I ended up. I didn't research it well enough. I didn't really know where to go, and I just kept pulling in this area, and it said it was an equestrian area. And at some point, it said only equestrian vehicles beyond this point, and there was like a small parking lot. So I pulled in that parking lot, and I thought, well, not exactly what I planned. It's not really like a running trail. I don't really know where to go, so I, I guess I'm going to run on these horse trails. <laughs> and I, it was frigid. It, there's a couple of things that happened when I went on that first trail run uh, when it was that cold in an area where I didn't know. One was the, the, the very, the real realization. I, I started off on these trails, very icy, um, but I could still maintain on them. But eventually I realized I'm kind of in, this is a potentially dangerous situation, as cold as it is. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to really be smart. And I didn't really know how far out to go. And I could easily, it could have seen, foreseen possibly getting lost in the woods. So I had to really be smart about it. But so I started doing these out and backs. I'd go out and like only take right turns until I hit a point where I'm like, okay, time to head back. Come back, go ahead and do that trail again and then take like a left turn and discover like a different little section for like two, three miles and then come back. And that, that turned into like a nine mile day. And it wasn't until literally like the very end of going through all these equestrian trails. Um, I went down this road a little ways and realized, oh, here's where the paved running and biking path was the whole time. <laughs> so it wasn't until like the very end of my workout that I realized, oh, this is probably where I should have been the whole time. Yeah, man, but, but was, equestrian trails are so much cooler, right? It was way cooler. It was way, way cooler. you got to get used to the it, whole uneven ground you're stepping on, too. The uneven ground, the the rolling hills, not even rolling hills, it was just, it was way more intense than I thought it was going to be. The downhills I didn't realize were almost like more treacherous. I didn't realize you could really get moving on a downhill. Yeah. Um, but the, it's the the mental game, uh, the mental toughness, and the like. I didn't realize how much that was going to play a factor because before this, everything I had run has always been within really easy distance of where I lived, or I never had to think about being. As I'm running, I'm getting further and further and further away from, like, my car or anything. <laughs> and you have to start playing that game of, like, okay, I guess if I keep running, am I going to be able to, you know, trace my steps all the way back? I have to commit to getting back to my – I don't know. It was just – it was really interesting to go and do that. I just took a lot from it and, like, really had, like, a runner's high from it. Uh, the next day, I ended up going to, like, Chain of Lakes State Park. Same situation. Like, found – this time I did a little more research, figured out where I should go. And I had – and after doing a nine, nine-and-a-half-mile day, I had an 11-mile day and felt great. Like, uh, I'm such a believer in trail running now, um, which, like, this brings me to – I don't think you've explained the name of your podcast yet, but anyone that's uh, listening, you have you at one point were doing a lot of blogs, and you and you drank the Kool Aid on trail running at some point and wrote an excellent blog about it. Like, can you explain that real quick? So, I'll try. I went. I moved to Virginia 
three years ago for my wife's residency. And it was a small town, Danville. Well, not small. It's kind of like a medium-sized town, Danville, Virginia. It's right on the North Carolina border. And they had 35 miles of single-track trails, um, one of the best mountain bike courses on the East Coast. Um, so I started adding in trail running, kind of like you were. It was once a week. And I would go out once a mm-hmm. week. I'd do the trail run, and I'd sweat more than I've ever sweated in my life and gasp for air more than I ever gasped for air in my life. <laughs> and eventually, same thing. I mean, the experience is so gratifying in a kind of a weird way because it's a lot more challenging. And I remember I would I would run without a shirt on because it was like 90 degrees. It was in the summer. And I would come out of the woods and I would have spider webs all over me. <laughs> Oh my god! And I would run into a spider web. You, you just—I don't know. I don't know. Like you probably just lost like fifty percent of your listenership out of freak out. <laughs> so yeah, man, you'd get spider webs on you. Your legs would be all muddy, drenched because Virginia is very humid. So drenched with sweat. I think I ruined my car because it smelled so bad. And <laughs> probably, I just would leave the woods, and I would feel so. It would just I would feel like my like my soul was quenched with the awesomeness of trail running. Because dude, when we went to college, uh went to college at University of Iowa, I'm not saying there's not trails around University of Iowa because there definitely is. I just mm-hmm. never went outside to go experience them. I can specifically remember one or two times where I would turn to my roommates and say, Hey, I'm going hiking. And they would look at me kind of weird, like, what? And I would go out hiking. Mm-hmm. But that was only like two times. And so after we yeah. went to Virginia, it was like, it eventually morphed into every day after school. <laughs> Where yeah. I, I needed to go into the woods. I needed to have these hard runs just to like clear my mind because I'd spent all day talking to 14-year-olds. <laughs> Oh my god. And as for the name, <laughs> I'm trying to think why the name came up because I would just tell Lindsay I would come home and I would just like I I mean I can't paint you the picture, but like I said, covered in spider webs, mud, scratched up. You like, just felt like a beast going like through the beast. forest and you felt like Bigfoot. I felt <laughs> like, like Bigfoot. Like this must be what Bigfoot is like. Exactly. Yeah. I'm like Bigfoot smells. You started Bigfoot smells, he's covered with spider webs, he's like jumped over snakes and chased deer, and he's super happy, just like I am right now. Like, yeah, and like if I, you've if you've never had the experience of going out in the wilderness, you're missing out on that. You're missing out on seeing wildlife yeah. in his natural habitat. Like it's cool to see deer from a car. As long as you're not hitting the deer, obviously. But it's cool to see deer. Like the other day, the deer is alive. Yeah, the other day I saw a group of seven turkeys just walk in front of my car, and that was awesome. But it's even it's even better being out in the woods with them because you feel like you're sharing the environment, kind of. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Also, last weekend though, (laughs) a little scarier. I was running around here, North Table Mountain, and. Um, I saw three bucks, and this awesome. It's three giant bucks as I'm overlooking the Coors Brewery, uh, which is like <laughs> way down below. I'm on this butte. Yeah. And then I see these two felines of sorts 
running around and they like looked at me for a second and I was like trying to figure out what they were and then they booked it down the hill and I spent the whole rest of the day trying to decide if I saw two bobcat which would be really cool because I've never seen a bobcat out in the wild or two mountain mm-hmm. lion cubs which would be a little scarier <laughs> oh my god yeah that's a whole other like to to run or to be anywhere where you're when you enter the food chain, like I understand animals are more afraid of you, but that is that is so scary. Well, we run bears, snakes, uh, <laughs> and then like cats, like lar- lions. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, well, so here's my point oh. to that, though. If you're someone who doesn't go in the wilderness all the time, or you're not going on hikes, or you're not experiencing the outdoors, you might think. Like I did when I first moved to Virginia, my first few trail runs, I'm like, oh my God, I'm for sure seeing a bear here and I'm for sure mm-hmm. going to like get attacked. Like the worst case scenario is going through my head and yeah. I never saw a bear. That whole entire three years we were there. I was out there all the time, never saw a bear. Now I'm not saying that you shouldn't be prepared in case yeah. a situation happens because you obviously should. But don't let that fear hold you back from actually going out and experiencing these really wild and pretty places. Mm-hmm. I think I kind of like to go back to something you were saying of it just felt good for my soul, that feeling. Like I, I'm trying to think of other, other areas where you, you get that similar feeling. If I have like a really intense or like if I do yoga for like 40 minutes – and it's really good for your body. And afterwards, you just kind of feel, you, you have that feeling of, ah, oh, I should do that more often. Or you go for an, an amazing trail run. Um, you see wildlife. You push your body past where you thought you could you kind of like exceed your own expectations. And you go, ah, oh, I should do that more often. Like anytime you have that thought, I want to be more conscious of those things in other areas of taking note of that and then actually doing whatever that thing is more often. Like you should. That's, Be more conscious of those things. Like trail, trail running and yoga are the first two things that come to my mind. But I, I don't know, you know, if you actually sit down and physically read a book, maybe you get. I don't know. I don't know what <laughs> what else you want to like add to that list. But um, well, those so elements would, in life, you know. I would say that's kind of the like a bigfoot mentality, like a bigfoot mindset. I mean, you've listened to the rest of the episodes. I think everyone, in their own special ways, have fallen under that idea where for me it's kind of like you're gonna set a goal you're gonna do the steps that are hard it's hard work but you're going to do the hard work to go after that goal and when you achieve it you're gonna feel amazing and even if you're covered in like gross the grossest stuff imaginable after running (laughs) through the woods like you're gonna feel like you just (laughs) achieved something Something you you'll feel like you actually achieved something, like I don't want to say physical because you didn't actually like physically create something, but you you feel like what you achieved is real, I guess. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you know, real. Yeah, that's a good way. I think one of the easiest ways, honestly, is to climb a mountain because once you climb a mountain and then you come back down, you from here on out, like the rest of your life, you're gonna see that mountain and be like. I climbed that one day. <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's yeah, like you've been preaching. You, you've been preaching a few different things. Uh, trail running has been one for a while, but climbing a mountain—that's been a—that's been a motif. You've been preaching the 
to the choir of, of mountain climbers for a while. That's one of those. I should probably add that to my list of one of these days. Climbing well, a mountain should be a goal, I think. Well, so, okay. Um, we'll kind of wrap up with this. Well, a couple ideas here. You came out in 20, man, 2015 to Asheville. North Carolina, and we had yeah. mancation, and it was the same thing we we're talking about at the beginning of this podcast, where the whole two months leading up to it was a lot of fun because we we're all sending each other videos to get a, like pump up videos and stuff like mm. that. Um, yeah, and you came out, and we climbed Mount Pisgah, which I hope I'm saying that right. Pisgah, <laughs> Pisgah. I think that's right. Uh, which is a mountain that kind of overlooks Asheville, and we climbed it. Early in the morning, where you needed a flashlight, and yeah, it was like pitch black. We were using like our cell phone lights and tripping <laughs> over route stuff like that. I mean, so granted, that's not like a rocky mountain, like fourteen or whatever, but that's still a mountain, and it's still hard work. So, how mm-hmm. did you feel about that mm-hmm. experience? Well, that was oh man, that was before I was in any kind of shape. <laughs> so, I was oh dead tired. Um, but that was one of those, no doubt about it. I'm at, I'm at the peak. Um, and you couldn't help but look around at the other peaks. You're like, I can go climb that one now too. Like it was incredibly rewarding. And you were, you know, exercise some wisdom there by having us get up as early as we did, because then you get to watch the sunrise from a mountaintop. (laughs) Like, I didn't understand why we had to get up so early to do this. By the way, I was like, this sounds like just adding misery to the equation for no reason. But little did I know. Uh, little did I know how awesome and awe-inspiring it would be to watch a sunrise from a mountaintop. Had never done that before. That had never been a part of, like, uh, a list of accomplishments. And now I can check that box. And, yeah, it was incredible. Yeah, man. And I then I gotta watch I the Travis point I was and Calvin. To make. <laughs> well, I gotta watch Travis and Calvin rap battle in front of some strangers in the worst rap battle I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, check it out. I think I posted but, that to our Facebook page. The worst. It was. Oh my god. I think I said either the best or lamest mountain rap battle of all time. I mean, I don't want to be a hater, but that sucked. <laughs> 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 but dude, that's the thing. Like going up, waking up early, climbing a mountain in the dark with your buddies, watching the sunrise. I mean, that's an experience that is addicting. And that's an experience that everyone should at least try to have. If you haven't experienced that, go out and do it right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I and it's like it's free. <laughs> like and it's, it's free. Yeah. Like, there's no you, yeah, there, there, I think you can you can train for that or you can not train for that and you can still do it. Like yeah. those are those are you can still like even if it takes you 6 hours versus someone that trained that takes them an hour and a half like it's still going to be incredibly rewarding to stand at the top of a mountain and look at what you uh, it, yeah, you're you're right. It is it's a great feeling. Well, and, and I, I got to imagine that your 50 mile race is going to be a similar like crossing the finish line you're going to do that and say and no at least in your mind like i just did something it just puts you in a very small sliver of the pie of what other people like have accomplished before as well like not many people in this moment get a feel the way you feel in that 
specific moment in time. Yeah, but you don't also, I mean, you don't have to do any of these insane things, but the fact is that you're pursuing something. Like, mm-hmm. don't just get stuck. Dude, the, the saying that bums me out more than anything in the whole world is okay. same shit, different day. <laughs> yeah, you hate complacency. Oh, you really God. hate, re- I mean, not necessarily routine, but not pursuing Something. Something. <laughs> like Something. Anything. Forward. Dude, even if you're knitting and you're like, I want to knit like the sweetest, most badass sweatshirt of all time, go for it. That's awesome. That's amazing. And then you have it at the end and you accomplish something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But same shit, different day mentality bums me out. And then along with, what's the other thing? Um, I, I'm not going to know it. It's like living the life or whatever. Living the dream. Living, living the, dream. the dream. That's it. Living the dream. The, the sarcastic. The sarcastic like, living the dream. Nothing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I know. If you're actually you living the that dream, stuff. that's cool. But the whole is usually <laughs> used like 95% of the time. Sarcastic living the dream. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, if, so for people. So, dude, I mean, what I like about your story is the fact that you've completely transformed not only physically but like mentally i would say probably emotionally a bit um mm-hmm. i think that's fair to say so from where you were like a year and a half ago or however long it was yeah probably when we're in Asheville, I mean, right to, yeah yeah i mean that was towards the beginning of tr- like trying to make like intentionally making incremental changes for sure so from where you were to where you are now which is i think you said before the podcast minus 75 pounds right yeah i mean from pounds wise 75 pounds down from like being able to walk (laughs) a little ways for exercise to now like today i did seven and a half miles and i'm good I'm, i'm gonna try and get another like six and a half to seven miles in tomorrow. Like those are kind of my, my numbers for like daily numbers now, um, at a decent pace, like physically. Yeah. It adds a lot of confidence. Um, yeah. All, all around it's, it's been the, one of the bigger things too, is the, to set a goal and then just chip away at it and watch those little changes. Well, it's, it's really it is baby steps though too. It's really easy to get into a rush, um, but I've been trying to apply that lesson to like other little things as well. I think the last time we talked, um, I was I set the goal of just becoming like competent in the kitchen and like setting <laughs> realistic goals. And then, you know, as I am approaching whatever that goal post is, then only and only then do I like I move the goal post again. And then as I approach whatever that new goalpost is, um, either personally, professionally, physically, whatever, um, then moving it, that's kind of been a lesson that, I'm try- that I've been trying to apply, as well as the changes that I'm making. I mean, we talked about it last time, making sure that they're sustainable. Sustainable. Things that I could, yeah, maintain, continue to do, and, you know, but then also introducing, like, very difficult, you know, unsustainable goals, but doing it for like a week or two. And that's it, dude. Too, I just realized that. that too. That's it. That's doing the unsustainable stuff for a set amount of time. 
mm-hmm. and, and then it moves you up a little bit. Which is awesome, dude. I'm going to call yeah. you Captain Sustainability from now on. <laughs> that sounds like, oh, my God. <laughs> and and so work on your branding because if you start calling me captain sustainability <laughs> well it's funny man i re-listened to the first one and you said something like it's really boring when people talk about their their weight loss because it basically comes down to eating healthier and working out more but yeah. the key yeah. there that I mean, most that people is... forget is the sustainability part is doing it in a sustainable way where you're going to do it from now on. It's going to be a lifestyle change. Yeah. So that's huge. Man. And it comes it goes, comes and goes in phases and it also like it gets interrupted by life and yes. then you have to rebound. So it's, it's a little more dynamic than just like every day doing the same thing, even though at some points it feels like, Oh, here's another green smoothie that I'm going to drink. Or uh, here's another day where I'm going to need, I need to go put my tennis shoes on and go run when I'm tired. Like yeah. it can definitely, you can hit the doldrums of the routine, um, but it become it naturally will become dynamic changes as well because life will intercede and interrupt whatever you were trying to do before. So it will force you to stay on your toes. Gotcha, man. Well, thank you, Captain Sustainability, for... <laughs> <laughs> no man, thank you for you know coming on the podcast All again. Right. Here's the other thing: Brady actually is a big contributor to the podcast. I'll, he'll write some questions um, when I'll tell him about certain guests that I'm having on, and it's been it's it's just made it so much easier for me, and it's nice being able to have a little bit of feedback from him. So that's super cool. And uh, yeah, man, we'll uh, we'll have to record a podcast. With me, you, and Travis at post race, a post race podcast. We definitely will. But like, let me also say, you've done an excellent job of saying that you're going to have one podcast per week, and then following through with that this whole time. Like, I know that can't be easy to always to always get a new guest, and you've had some incredible guests. Um, anyone listening to this, anyone that's hung on this long and listening to the podcast, <laughs> I totally encourage you to go back. There's some incredible guests. Like, um, I, I think I mentioned her before. Shada's was amazing. Yeah. Um, the iron cowboy. I can't believe you had the iron cowboy on. Me that is incredible. <laughs> he accomplished something that is, I still can't even believe. And he's going to go ahead and try to like bike up Mount Kilimanjaro. He's, he's a nut. And you had him on a podcast. Uh, Travis, obviously, one of my favorites. Annie Gordon, that was incredible. Her story was a, like, what is the Mule Hawk? Yes, is that the name of the camper? Yeah, yeah. living in our camper. Adventures of Mule Hawk. Super cool. That was that was an amazing one. Um, hundred mile runners, like two hundred mile runners. Two hundred mile <laughs> runners. It's like, dude. I think you've hit the upper limit of a guess of what like is possible for for humans. You just go ahead and double it with another guess. Speaking like, of two hundred mile runners, so her she, her name was Melissa uh, Sinclair. And anyways, long story short, there's this show on Esquire called Boundless, and it's about these four endurance athletes, and they do a different race every episode and stuff. It's like right up my my alley. Um, mm-hmm. So. I'm watching the episode where they're running a hundred miler through South America, the desert in South America, because I'm like, this is going to be a good preparation for us, for me to realize what we're going to need to bring. And at the very end of the episode, the dude or the guy named Simon uh, Donato and uh, Rory Bazio, who's a freaking beast, but they finish the race, 
And lo and behold, the two people putting on medals, putting their medals on for him was Melissa and her husband. <laughs> I love that stuff. I so love crazy. the small world, kind of yeah. interconnected nature of these, these cool people. Um, one other thing about the guests that you've had, like as a person that's listened to pretty much every podcast you've done so far, is the uh, I don't know if it's been said yet is the the crazy family that you're a part of crazy in a good way like <laughs> the like uncles and aunts and cousins and just like the incredible accomplishments that they've had has, has been impressive it, it starts to kind of paint a better picture of like why you are the person that you are <laughs> running 50 mile races um, no nah, man it's been it's been really cool to watch yeah, you man. put together this podcast and Thank have you. these incredible guests on yeah and it's been sustainable because i am only doing one a week there's been times where i'm like i should do two this week because i could but i know that's not going to necessarily be the most sustainable way um so yeah dude sustainable Kevin. sustainable <laughs> <laughs> all right sergeant accountability I don't know, <laughs> that's the best i can come up with <laughs> oh by the way um just whoopee update he's had if, if you know what this is this is from episode one I've sent him Whoopi pictures of Whoopi Goldberg every time. One time, I sent him a picture of Meryl in the last like month, and Meryl oh, means right. that he's not accomplishing what he needs to accomplish. Yeah, it's Meryl doubt. Street from Doubt, doubt. and she's judging Meryl you. Street, doubt. <laughs> and but what happened after that? Yeah, then, dude, an hour later, I get a picture of the stats from the treadmill, and I was like. I was so excited, dude. I, like, stood up and danced a little jig or, like, <laughs> jumped in the air newsy style and clicked my heels together. I was so excited. I'm like, dude. Well, because, first of all, I felt like a huge jerk because I knew you were going through some personal things. And I'm like, am I really going to uh, send him a Meryl? But, like. Yeah, no. Yeah. It, it, it was good because as soon as I got that, I was like, ah. I, I, I got the. Uh... The internally, I had to be like, F this guy. I'm going to go get a workout and get my whoopee on. That was it. That's okay. how I was excited because I don't like being a jerk, man. But, I, I you know, <laughs> you basically made it really easy because I'm like, hey, man, you getting your whoopee today? And you're like, nope. No. And I was like, I was like, are you taking an intentional rest day? And you're just like, nope. And then I was like, all right, nope. well. Just being lazy. Just being lazy. I'm like, well, you're going to marrow this guy. So. Yeah, dude. Accountability partners, something we said. But uh, but yeah, man, I got to get back to being Sergeant to being accountability. Dad. Sergeant accountability. Colonel. I don't know. I got nothing. I'm not saving you. I'm not bailing you out. <laughs> come on, man. You can come up with. <laughs> I bailed you out one time. Do you remember? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We're at a wedding. And uh, <laughs> oh no, we don't need to tell this story. Let's you're, end the podcast real quick, real quick. You're on the okay. dance floor, and you know you you had a few beers probably, um, and for whatever reason, I didn't have any beers at that point. But so you're just jumping up and down. No one's around you. You're just jumping in the middle of the dance floor. I was enjoying the song. It was a. I'm sure it was a great song. If I look back, I'm sure it was a terrible song. I'm sure. I'm <laughs> but, sure. Uh, but at, at the moment, I just looked at my wife and I'm like, I can't let Brady do this by himself. <laughs> <laughs> and I went out of the dance floor and we just started jumping. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, man. Yeah, we continued to jump. Yeah. Which is a great dance move. <laughs> exactly. But all right, man. We'll wrap it up. Uh, we'll get back at you. Um, we'll have you back on in post race. Uh, post race, yeah. We'll, we'll I'll bring my computer and everything, and we'll do a post race live 
from Monument Valley. Very cool. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, see you, dude. Bye. Bye. All right, guys. I hope you enjoyed that conversation. This is going to be a quick outro. So all I really want to tell you guys this week is find an event that scares you a little bit, sign up for it, and then work your butt off to complete the event. It's pretty simple. It's kind of a simple formula for happiness is having something you're striving for and taking the steps towards that goal. That's what makes me happy in life. I'm sure there's a bunch of other things too that could work. But if you're stuck somewhere, just try that. Set a goal. Try to accomplish it. Alrighty. So for the rest of our episodes, you can find us. This is the part where I say like a Bigfoot 20 times. You can find us at www.likeabigfoot.com. You can go on SoundCloud and type in Like a Bigfoot. You could go to iTunes and search Like a Bigfoot. And you could hit the little subscribe button. That would be cool. Um, I'm on Instagram under the name Like a Bigfoot. Twitter, Like a Bigfoot. Or you can join our Facebook group, facebook.com slash like a Bigfoot. Wow, that's still the most annoying part for me to do during this podcast. (laughs) So, you know, it is what it is, though. It's all good. Uh, I'm just trying to spread the message of goodness and just the idea that you guys can accomplish so much more than you think a year ago today Brady wasn't thinking about running a half marathon in the desert I guarantee that about six months ago he started thinking about running a half marathon in the desert but he wasn't thinking about actually competing he was thinking about finishing and if you asked him today I guarantee you he would tell you he doesn't want to just finish he wants to do well and he wants to compete which is so awesome so go out follow your own awesome goals whatever they may be and just go get them that's all for this week guys uh we'll be back next week with tj anderson talking about his upcoming book the art of health hacking see you then